So here's what happened is a proud member of the Why Though podcast community. Hey, y'all, we are back. It is Nisha and Caroline. Uh, Caroline? Like it's Did you say my name just now? I said Caroline. You said Caroline. I thought I said Caroline. No, you did not. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Did <laughs> Throw it all away. <laughs> Anyways, scratch that out, Caroline. <laughs> no, I'm keeping it because it's funny. <laughs> no, because yes. I'm just exhausted. This is exhaustion, Nisha. This is what y'all are getting. But I'm happy to see Carolyn's beautiful face. But anyway, <laughs> we're back. It's been a while. A lot of things have happened. And I'm just happy to talk about the things I have watched and read with Carolyn again. How have you been? I've been good. Busy and tired. <laughs> That's the vibe right now, as the kids would say. Yeah. January, February have been busy. I covered self by, what am I saying? I covered Sundance in January, mm -hmm. um, and then I'm getting ready to cover South by Southwest, which means set, setting up interviews, doing some interviews. Right now, I've, I've recorded a couple of interviews so far, and I'm also trying to set up other interviews for other films and outlets, because a girl is trying to get paid this year. Amen. Blessings Amen. upon my bank account. Blessings upon your bank account, Nisha. Let's right. put that into universe. Let's manifest. I, I love that for us. Let's manifest. Manifest. Let's do it. No, I agree. I, I'm just like, and I, on my end, I have been preparing for my move, um, wrapping up my last semester of grad school. And honestly, I just have not had the time to work on some of the special projects that I have planned. But I'm looking forward to like once March is over that I can get back into it because it's just, there's even been some like, I, I'm putting together some panels for DreamCon. So I am going to DreamCon. I got my ticket. Um, I'm very excited to go there, have a good black time with a lot of other black cosplayers and my friends. And I'm just, oh, I'm so excited because it's my first time going there. But I'm really excited to do these panels. So I'm really fingers crossed that I'll, at least one of the panels I'm submitting, like I, between, I'm submitting three, another person I know is submitting three. Like we're just, we're trying to brainstorm ideas and put them out there. So I'm excited about that. And then, oh, what else has been going on? Um, I mean, personal life bought a house with my sister. So that's something I'm, I'm looking forward to just like, like I said, being in a new space. So y'all won't see that big old open space when me and Carolyn go back to recording video. I'll actually have a nice office and content creating space that yeah, I'm excited about. Been a video in a while. It, we haven't. We'll, we, we'll get back to it. I, Cause I enjoyed like doing the videos. It's fun. Y'all can actually see our facial reaction. But yeah, that's what's going on. I'm just really looking forward to con season. Oh, and I've been regularly um, reviewing some anime, but now I'm going to get back into writing more features. So I have some features that I'm really excited about that I'm working on this week. So y'all keep an eye out for that. Yay, we're doing a lot this year. Yay us, but mm -hmm. we also have to make sure that we rest. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. We have to pace ourselves. drink water. <laughs> I need to do better drinking my water. I find in winter, I don't drink as much water as I should in winter. I don't Man, know why. You I have to. That, yeah. that dry air, and you're in Canada. Mm -hmm. Of all the places to not stay hydrated in the winter, you're in Canada, ma'am. I know. I know. I should be better at it. But I just, I, you know what it is? I need to drink water that has flavor. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> on that note, 
let's get into what we've been reading and watching. Um, Carolyn, I know you said you didn't have a book. I mine will be mine will be very brief because I also have not seen a book in a while. But I'm very excited about this series. Um, Big Ethel Energy on Webtoon has returned. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very excited because if y'all remember, or if you're new to the show, I did review the season one of Big Ethel Energy. And for those of you who are wondering why did she say season when she said a book, I mean, it's a webtoon. And the way webtoons are released are released as seasons. And each chapter is called a um, uh, episode. So uh, just to remind y'all, Big Ethel Energy is basically as Ethel from like the Archie comics. Ethel. So the title is called Archie Comics colon Big Ethel Energy. It's by Carol Brown, Ahmed, and and Siobhan is the artist. And honestly, it just, I'm really impressed because I feel like the way they could have wrapped up season one, it could have been one and done. But I'm really excited about how the story towards the end of season one gave a lot of opportunity for like new things to develop and new drama to flourish so i'm looking forward to that the fr- i've read yes i've spent money to read the first seven episodes from with the fast pass and i have no regrets um i think y'all if y'all have not checked it out y'all should i also ha- we also have a interview that i did with the creator that'll be up soon and yeah y'all should definitely listen to that especially want to get some more behind the scenes information of how the series came to be but on that note let's go ahead and get into tv yes so my the my tv show is actually one that's based on a book it's called the confessions of franny langton it is a brick box adaptation of the novel written by jamaican novelist sarah i'm sorry sarah collins and it's this story about this former slave franny langton who was brought from Jamaica to mm-hmm. England in Georgian era English, so that's late 17th century. Slavery had not been abolished as yet, of course. Mm-hmm. And of course. she is given to this man to live in his house and basically be a servant, but then she becomes a companion with his wife, Madame, played by um, Sophie Cookson, and Franny, who is played, I think, brilliantly by Carla Simone Spence. She is this extremely intelligent, eloquent, proud, beautiful, and self-assured Black woman who falls in love with Madame, who, as I said, is the wife of this wealthy, rich white man in England. And their love affair is, of course, fraught with tension and obstacles and angst because it's a Black (laughs) man with a white woman. And to some people, they might see the story as a as an ill-fated romance story because what happens is that Franny is accused of murdering Madame and her husband. And even right until the end, we don't know if she ever really does, you know, because mm-hmm. she herself um, isn't sure of her memory. She doesn't remember killing them. She doesn't remember what happened on the night they died. But while she's in prison and awaiting trial, she begins to write down her memoir. And that's where the title of the show and the book comes from, The Confessions of Franny Langton. And as she's mm. recalling her life and writing this memoir, confessing to her life and the things she's done, she goes back through from her childhood where, of course, she faced extreme 
extremely traumatic um, experience, uh, experiences and situations on this plantation house in Jamaica, where she's working with this man who is a, basically a pseudoscientist, a doctor who's experimenting on Black people. Because, you know, at that time, still now, actually, in this day, white, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, scientists and medical professionals believe that Black people are less, less than they saw us as animals. And they dissected mm-hmm. the bodies of Black people. They used slaves for um, medical research and scientific research. And as we know, like the um, medical practice of gynecology came about because of the experiments that were done on Black women, you know. They, um, living, not even uh, dead. Exactly. They, were they weren't dead. These women were tortured. And so the, the show kind of like not touches on gynecology specifically, but how medic- medical professionals experimented on Black people. Mm-hmm. And so Franny's recounting these horrific memories and then she's recounting that her love affair with Madame. And to some people, they'll say, oh, this is romance. This is like, oh, I'm seeing thing. And for me, I saw it as a cautionary tale of not only Black people becoming involved with people, with white people, but I saw it as a cautionary tale for anyone become involved with a person who does not understand you, who does not understand mm. your heritage, who does not understand your culture, who does not understand the history of where you came from, be it a Black person, be it a South American person, be it someone from South Asia, East Asia. Like we all have like, because of slavery and because of colonialism and imperialism, predominantly mm-hmm. pe- people of color from all around the world have extremely um, traumatic um, histories with western white people with europeans you know with americans when i say europeans i mean i'm including all of western and eastern european people mm-hmm. including the dutch the french the, the germans the spanish of course the british you know these people all enslaved and um and tortured and hunted people of color all over the globe so i kind of saw the show as like going into that you know that history and going into those kind of situations because i think if we put the story of the enslavement of Black people aside, like if you, for instance, made this a film about a Hawaiian native becoming involved with a white person at that point in time, it would talk mm-hmm. about how the Hawaiian people were persecuted by by, by um, Americans, you know, and by Europeans. They had how they had their land stolen and all of that. So I think Sarah, Sarah Collins, she did a fantastic job writing this. I haven't read the book, but from what I've seen, of the show like I, I can't wait to read the book because I have the book now but I think the production team did a very I think a very good job adapting the story and making this a very human story based on a black woman you know because they mm-hmm. talk about colorism they talk about how black women um how are here how we had to sacrifice our hair you know like how the how even till today black women are still judged for our hair you know they could because they touch on those kind of things and it's going to be released on BritBox in North America on March 8th. In North America, I think Latin America and in parts of Eastern, I believe, or, mm. is it the, or is it the Pacific regions? But because it already was released in England, um, where BritBox is, because BritBox is um, a, a streaming platform and it's a kind of like BBC, but it's going to be released in North America on March 8th. And I got a chance to interview sarah and carla simone and i'm gonna post that interview separate because it was about half hour so that's going to be a separate interview mm-hmm. segment for so here's what happened in karen and talks but um 
I, I, I do hope that I'm going to try my best to promote this show because I think it's very important because as a lot of people is going to be, yes, it's a queer love story. It's about a love story between two women. But I think me personally having the history I have because I'm Barbadian and I come from the Caribbean and the history of, of, of slavery in the Caribbean, like I kind of relate to that aspect of Franny's life. And, um, and so I, I do think it, if a lot of people watch it, it's going to create some like extremely interesting discussions online. And, um, and I think it's probably one of the best shows that I've seen so far for this year. And I'll also be getting to do a separate interview with Sarah too. So that's another interview that we will have to cover the show. So that's my show um, talk for today, which is The Confessions of Franny Langton, based on the book by Sarah Collins. I love that. I mean, I'm, I, I'm very interested because like, I, lo- I love your perspective on this because I think a lot of people genuinely like, oh my gosh, what a revolutionary love story that like for take place at this time. And that might be the first, which again, that two multiple things can be true at once. But like, I do agree like when, and this has always been my problem with period films and like interracial relationships because there is a power structure. Exactly. We have to, and I think to never acknowledge the power structure, it is messy and it's wrong. Like that's one of the reasons why I like the woman King. Um, Like, uh, like they had their hope that the the one soldier had her whole like if you want to call it romance romance mo- it was or, a one night stand <laughs> it was a one night stand <laughs> that was a girl you was horny and you're young and you realize you ain't never gonna have sex with nobody but it besides the point it's just like yeah do recognize his privilege he like mm-hmm. for himself he had to recognize it himself like yeah these are your people but also you are half white. And you come from a certain level of class and status that she would never be afforded. So to ask her to come to, with, your, to, with you to your country, sir, what are you thinking? No, no. I would have screamed if she did. But again, like, I appreciate that when films acknowledge the power structure and that it, it, should, it should be something that's discussed more. And it's not just focusing on like, oh, yes, our love will survive all. But anyways, nonetheless, um, so my TV show that I've been watching lately is The Last of Us. Um, I'm just going to preface this right now. I have never played a la- The Last of Us games. So I'm purely coming from this, from just like having watched the series, New Eyes, all that. So I have no prior knowledge of the series or the franchise before this series. But yeah, so basically 20 years after a fungal outbreak ravages the planet, Survivors Joel and Tess are tasked with a mission that could change everything, but things happen along the way. Um, of course, honestly, I've just been looking for another zombie show since The Walking Dead um, to fill that void for me. And I feel like it, I like it. Like, I'm at least I'm tuning in and staying up until nine o'clock every night for um, to, not every night on Sunday nights to watch on HBO Max. And I'm keeping HBO Max enough to watch it. So I, I would say I enjoy this show. I think there's still a lot of, I don't, I still don't understand what the directors and showrunner meant when they initially talked about this show and how they were trying to get across the point like, oh yeah, this is going to be even better than the game because it's going to have more emotional impact that you can't do with video games, which again, I've never played the games before. 
But this don't feel that different from what what it feels like on The Walking Dead when I see people kill people. Like, I feel I, I still feel like the showrunners and directors' comments about like, oh, because live action is the most highest form of, you know, art and like that 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 for when it comes to entertainment. And I just like, not really. I I I I, re- I greatly disagree with this. But I will say the show is interesting. And I like it um, as someone who has not been familiar with the franchise before. And I would say, like, I'm curious to see, like, how they're going. I, I cheated and I, like, read some of, like, what happens in the future and, like, the sequel games. I'm curious, like, how are they going to, like, build upon that? Are we going to see it, like, by season? Um, I do think my biggest problem has been the fact that they've changed the race of girls from the series to make them black and then they die. Mm. Okay, and so you see that something I haven't seen anyone mention on Twitter. And I've seen like so many people talking I about saw, this, but I've never seen I saw a few it. people talking about it. And like again, until like I researched it and I looked at well, what did his daughter look like before? And now she white. The mm-hmm. the and like it's one of those things where it's like um very clearly Pedro Pascal is playing Joel in the first episode. Spoilers are off, y'all haven't heard it. Um, the outbreak happens. And it's tr- so 20 years ago, the outbreak happens. Yeah. Joel's daughter, he is searching and trying to get back to her because they right, got Ellie. separated. And no, Ellie's not Ellie. his. It's Ellie that's no, his daughter, right? Ellie, Ellie is the companion. It's a girl with him. She, yeah, right. she's the girl with him. And, you know, she has she seems to be immune to the fungal zombies. Mm-hmm. Um and the whole thing is like my whole problem. This is my problem whenever shows do this because it's like it's like y'all putting a diversity feather in your cap, but then you just kill off the characters. Like we only get them for one episode and then they're gone. And now we have this up, and like this is something I need to research on, so I can't speak definitively on it. But it's if I I want to know more about Stormy Reed's character because she showed up two episodes ago. Um, her and Ellie got bit, and because Ellie's immune, she's fine. But we don't, we don't technically get confirmation of what happened to Stormy Reed's character. Mm. So my whole thing Storm is like, Reed. <laughs> Storm, dang it, Storm Reed. Isn't there another actress who's like Stormy? Not that I know of. I said like Stormy doing... Weather, which is a song. <laughs> I feel like I'm mixing, like, I know there is somebody else named Storm. I'm, I'm thinking of a musical artist. Y'all forgive me. I, like I said, I am on E right now. But Girl, you know, I'm the same way. I was saying people, I'm, I was saying things wrong, and we both is tired. <laughs> we both is tired. But we excited to talk about shows and TV. We are. But um, yeah, I, that's my whole thing. So I want to do a little bit more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it the benefit of the doubt and keep watching it. But that is something that I've noticed where I'm just like, I don't feel comfortable with this. And now it's like, just y'all got me feeling like Jessica Jones season two, where y'all introduced women of color and then about half of them were killed. Just, they were there to just be the supportive best black friend or like somebody, it is just like, mm. and I'm not saying, and I, I'll say this, I'm not saying Joel's daughter should not have died because she was black. I'm saying, why did you cast that act like why did you make them black make that character black only to kill them off mm, and she could have stayed that, white and that she could have stayed white i'm like i wasn't begging for y'all to change her or race bend her but like it's like one of those weird things because it's like people get upset 
about Ariel and Tinkerbell being casted black now by black act, being casted as black actresses playing them now. And at the end of the day, yes, diversity is great. And we do want to see more black people and more people of color in these TV shows and add more color and variety and diversity. At the same time, it is something weird and disingenuous about, oh, hey, we have a quota and we can say we casted this many black actors, but they were never they were never going to be on this show long term. So bye. But hey, we did it. And it's just like y'all just want to put a feather in your cap. So I'll be I'll be continuing to watch closely. I'm gonna see if that happens if I if I continue to see that trend because I just feel like that's the first episode. I haven't seen anywhere else, but mm, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I haven't like seen it. I haven't seen The Last of Us and I will not be seeing The Last of Us mostly because I hate the design of the, the clickers and it's not that I hate them because I think they're bad I hate them because they're so garbage darn good like they're hideous like watching oh, they're, them, they make my skin crawl ugly as hell and like mm-hmm. they trigger my tryptophobia like I saw I, like, I've seen clips of the games before like when the games first started um getting popular like a lot of people because like you know like a lot of people that i follow are gamers and they and like i've seen them tweet about last of us and like on tumblr i've seen like pics and stuff so what watch seeing the pics of like that and i've seen did i try anyway there's like a big memory of watching someone play the game and like going through the steps and whatever so i remember like also seeing actual clips of someone doing a playthrough of the game but that being said i saw when the when they're first promoting the film the show like they drop promotional images and I saw mm-hmm. one image of the clicker and I immediately muted <laughs> anything You're just like that was I, enough. I, it was, um, I, I, I felt like I wanted to throw like it, like kudos, applause, like congratulations, flowers to the VFX team, to the design team, to the animators, to everyone who worked on designing and animating and creating these creatures because they're ugly. And they're meant to be ugly. And I'm like, yes, you have terrified me. And I never, ever want to see them ever again. And in saying that, like, thinking about the show, I've been wondering if this show is actually based on the, the movie, The Girl with All the Gifts. Because you know that, you know, because like, you know, the story of that is that yeah. they, there is this fungus that spreads around the world and it start, and it huh. mutates people. And like, it happens with spores and it's like a fungus and stuff. So I've been wondering like the entire time. And I have to answer one on Twitter it perhaps like it's is inspired by that but like in you mm-hmm. talking about and this was actually going to tie into something i wanted to mention about the confessions of franny langston like you was talking about how they create how the writers and these directors are like oh we need to get our inclusion points you know our make to make sure we tick this box and say we can't be accused of what we can't be accused of whitewashing or we can't be accused of making all white cast or racist casting or whatever because we're going to include these characters of color you know we're going to bring on these actors of color to play these characters mm-hmm. and yeah we're, we're either going to kill them off or relegate them to side characters where we no longer ever see them again and it kind of made me think about also the the other thing and you talked about power dynamics because that also seems to tie into the last of us too where the most powerful characters are white or you know the ones who with the most agency or the ones who are like the better fighters or the better survivors or mm-hmm. what? Thinking about the ca- the casting, the thing about there's a lot of other shows that we've talked about like this where they seem to bring on characters of color or include them to say like we're mm-hmm. doing an inclusive ca- 
casting and it kind of made me think of how like with um the confessions of franny langton the thing with that show is like the cast i think to me is equally um black and white and yeah. there are i think there's some south asian characters too but it's talking mainly about the dynamics between black characters and black people and white people during this era of history right so it's pretty and it's equally black and white so like i think there's an an equal number of black people and equal number of white people and it talks about the power dynamics and that's the other thing like the relationship between madame and franny is like a lot of it has to do with power dynamics and as you mentioned a lot of people are going to get pulled tight up like oh the representation of queer people on screen in this era whatever but it's talking about the imbalance of power like is this like is their love is them being gay more important than acknowledging the fact that this is a black woman being involved romantically with a white woman and the danger that plays a certain like this white woman still has power over her by the just by the fact that she's white and all she sees her her what her husband is the man that franny has been given to he's wealthy and he has connections mm-hmm. and see my thing is this is the, that would have been an opportunity to examine it with at, with an intersectional lens that would have been the perfect opportunity because like and I again, I haven't seen the movie, but I feel well, like that. I mean, the last. I well, I think the cartoon. I think well, the I mean, show from cartoon. like I think I was talking about with your with yours with um the Franny. They, to, I think to me they do. They I okay, think they do good. it really well. Like if you if people are looking at it honestly and objectively with a nuanced eye, they'll pick up on it because there's things the characters say and the things they do where you realize mm-hmm. that what they're talking about is part imbalances. And they actually, and they think this is this show is what Bridgerton thinks it is. Got it. Okay, that says it all for me because like I still have not seen Bridgerton, but from what I hear from everybody that talk about it, I just be like, y'all are not compelling me to watch this because like, yes, seeing all these people of color and black people in an era that like we don't typically get to see ourselves in, granted it's fantasy, intrigues me. However, I also just cannot like suspend my belief enough to not keep in mind that like. At any point, can somebody own somebody in this realm or no? Like they have to what, because they mentioned slavery, and I'm like, you can't be talking about slavery and still not be talking like, about how these white people benefit, benefiting and profiting. Unless you establish, like y'all gonna have to establish in the opening credits. This takes place in a world where slavery never existed. Like I'm probably never gonna suspend my belief enough to be like, oh, that white duke and that black woman, they will have an equal like relationship and no one will have a power over anyone i'm like even if you take away even if you took away race there's still like male and female power dynamics Mm -hmm. which like right i'm not saying it needs to be a utopia like it needs to be a utopia where like everyone's equal i'm just saying there's just certain things i can't like we 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 don't get the luxury of viewing it without those lenses exactly on. and that's the thing i think to me bridgerton it thinks that they're being um progressive when they're really not because you can't be progressive if you're not going to acknowledge like things like power imbalances in wealth mm-hmm. in status in gender you know it, just it seems you- like a fantasy novel for people like it, it's and, and that's not me knocking it it just seems like for anyone who loves victorian era fantasy books this was made for you because yeah maybe you want to see yourself in that era in that kind of storyline and that's all i get from it i'm like i i do not expect for that show to make to do anything progressive in the sense of like touching on anything like maybe they'll have like some episodes where they go there but at the same time i'm like i'm not expecting much i I, from what i understand it's tea crumpets and sex basically 
and, and <laughs> even and even then, like the things that happen because of the T Grumps that sets, it's still things that need to be discussed in a way. Because, like, for instance, like in the last season, like the the female lead who is played by a South Asian actress, forgive me for not remembering her name, she gets with the man that her sister is engaged to. Her sister genuinely loves this man, and she's yeah. engaged to him. And people are like, oh, my God, they, they're, they, and then they're like the older sister who's having the affair. They're like, oh, my God, like, but their love is so um, amazing. Like, they have so much chemistry. I'm like, are we going to ignore the fact that this girl is cheat is not only sleeping with her her sister's um, fiance, but like she's betraying her sister. Like, that's a that's an issue. Like, to me, I'm like, I would be like, I mean, I'm so sad this whole discussion about it. I'm like, I don't care if you're my sister mm-hmm. or not. You, the point that you betrayed me is such a way. And you, oh, I'm yeah. supposed to overlook it because you guys are in love. I don't care about y'all being in love. Y'all cheated and y'all, you, my sister, cheated with my man. You're both dead to me. I mean, exactly. eventually I might, eventually I might forgive my sister, but at the same time, we are you going to stand by and lives. watch you happily marry this man? What the hell? I'm not, I'm not going to just say, you know, you should marry him. The hell? Exactly. No, both of you should leave my life forever if you want to be together, but don't expect me to be happy for no and not for years too like i'll be yeah. better at you and your dog like dishonor on I you your like, dog i and will find love again i'm not, but i can be fine without either of you in my life exactly and even though in the third season that's coming up they're they're trying to sell the whole romance between queen charlotte who is again mm. and this is a real character now like the actual person charlotte she was married to a man and yet they had a great love because she was a biracial it, it's believed that she was biracial and her she and this man they did have a genuine love affair but he also went mentally insane like legitimately mm-hmm. legitimately clinically mentally insane and it created a lot of problems for charlotte and for the country because he's their king and he's not able to rule and it was and like their love their love was tragic but the show mm-hmm. is not selling it as that like the show is not going to acknowledge it's not they're in, in the promos early, the love affair of ages. I'm like, are you kidding me? This man caused so much issues for their woman. Their love did not have a happy ending. Their, mm. their happiness in marriage was actually only a few years at the beginning. Most of their marriage was she was tormented because she was married to a man that she couldn't communicate with. And he had he created so much problems with her in the empire. And I'm like, that's a whole other discussion. We're not gonna get in there. But that's just yeah. to me, like, is it, it all ties in? We were talking about how writers. And even when they want to create like fictional scenarios and fantasy, they still don't want to, uh, they still don't know how to balance and handle right nuance right when it comes to different um, areas of how society functions, you know? So like, even yeah. in last of us that you're saying they killed off this, they, they made this, cha- they made this character black only to kill her off. That is something that should be addressed. And it's like, what's the point of make, what's the point of getting your, um your diversity brown points if you're just going to do it this way? Like, don't bother at it's all. Name, it's, as we said, like, to close it on, like, The Last of Us, it's disingenuous. And, like, I do want to correct it because I did look it up. So, like, at least um Storm Reed's character, she was Black in the game. So, mm-hmm. like, again, I'm not upset if her character is dead in the series. It's the fact that, like, I would be upset if you replaced and recasted this person as a black person because like, and for everyone who's like, well, you got diversity and inclusion. Like, no, you just did that so that you could check a box on an equity tool and say you hired more black people this year. That's the problem. It's the, it's the thought that goes into it on in, like in the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but onto something lighter. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll see. No, we'll get there. <laughs> Let's go into Man and the Wasp colon Quantumanium. Uh, Carolyn, you have something to intro into first, though. Yeah, well, actually, this is the perfect segue to um, Man and the Wasp Quantumanium because like, we're going to talk about racing, because race cats, diversity casting because of character mm. of Kang, who is the main protagonist in Quantumania and in the MCU and forward is a black man who's played by oh, you Jonathan mean antagonist i wanted to say you said protagonist oh sorry protagonist sorry antagonist the villain the big bad you know is played by jonathan majors and this is a a casting where in the cartoon because he's purple and blue like he could be technically be quote unquote any race of any ethnicity but disney and the mcu and kevin Feige and those guys decided you know what let's go and cast a black man and make it jonathan majors I got some issues with that, but we're going to get into it and why. But before we get into our our um, our intense and in-depth discussion of Ant-Man and the Wasp Media, the next clip, the next audio you will hear will be a brief interview that I did on the premier red carpet here in Toronto with actress Catherine Newton, who plays Cassie Lang, the daughter of Scott Lang and his first wife, because she is not Hope Van Dyne's daughter. She's his, she's her stepdaughter. So next couple of minutes, you're going to hear my discussion with Catherine on the red carpet here in Toronto for the Atman and the Wasp Quantumania premiere. Hi, good night, Catherine. Thank you so much for stopping by to talk with us for sure. what happened. So I happened was... Yes, exactly. That's literally how we started. So what had happened was we saw your plan. First thing first, I have to commend you on this. Like, I love the whole look, the dress, the shoes, the nails. I'm a nail aficionado myself. I got these at CVS. What? Yeah. The first thing, huh? Yeah. Huge, 
colorful, magical, infinite, and exciting. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I'm part Thank you. And that's what happened. So that was my interview with Catherine. She was very fun. As, as you heard, we discussed a bit about nails and her fashion and about the progression of her character, Cassie. And I think, first of all, I think, Kath, I think Catherine did a really good job playing Cassie because mm -hmm. she is basically a new character. Because the last thing that we saw Cassie in the IMAX film, she was a child. You know, yeah. she was a child. The snap happened. Five years have gone by. And so now she's a teenage, uh, teenager around the age of 17, 18. And she's finding herself as a young woman. And not only as her, her place in society, like she's an advocate, people will call her a social justice warrior, but and I see nothing wrong with that. I don't know if people try to make that term. It's a dog whistle politics way of like how people use the word woke as a way to be like, as a derogatory term. Like I, I, at least that's, that's what I get from it because it's just like people are trying to make it seem like, oh, they're a social justice warrior. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she wants equal rights for people. She mm -hmm. wants to protest for people. And don't get me wrong, one of the, I did like that she has this very strong sense of morality and everything, but I was just like, little girl, I need you to sit down mm -hmm. because I do feel like her. she has to notice her privilege and I think she just feels like she can say whatever she said wants. Mm -hmm. and, she, and she's a teenager, but she's a teenager. Teenagers always, imagine being 17 again and you think your worldview of the world is correct and right and sound and it's just like without like having all the ungrat yes she is a genius she's a teenage genius but it's the fact that like she definitely there were some moments i'm like cassie you can't just jump and in doing into things without having knowledge or be like oh we'll help you i'm like you don't know these people mm -hmm. you don't know what are you saying you're helping like yes she has a big heart and she like admires what her dad has done, but it's like at the same time, imagine what Scott went through after the fight with Thanos. I could imagine like, yeah, I'm going to fight crime, but I'm not looking for the next big bad to come. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, I I'm not out here searching for. The I want to be a father. I want to be a parent. I want to have a role in your life because I've missed five years of your life. like. Okay. Anyways, let's get into it. Um. But we are into it because that's the I mean, whole, yeah. that's how the film begins. The film begins with her actions as being yes. this advocate for justice. And she's arrested and is speaking about her privilege. That's actually, I think the, a lot of the film is speaking about privilege in a very, oh, yes. in a very yes. abstract way. But in talking about her privilege, there's also the fact not only is she a white girl and she's able to get walk away, you know, in a way that no one else can, but also because she's Scott Lang's daughter, she's Ant-Man's daughter. She's a daughter of one of the Avengers. She's a daughter of one of the saviors of the entire universe. And that she got arrested. Yeah. She's like, yes, I'm, I'm down for it. I'm willing to get arrested. I'm an accomplice. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be complicit, you know, and that's part of being an ally, being, being a true ally mm -hmm. means being an accomplice and being willing to put yourself on the line for your cause and for the people you're protecting. But in doing so, she is also not at risk the way other people are because she just got to say, my dad is Scott Lang. He just got to turn up and she's going to get out. You know? Right. She no, literally got to sure. get out of G She literally has a get out of jail free call because of who we're not. I mean, also your stepmom is a billionaire. Like, that, too. that helps. I mean, again, this is not us shooting on, Ka uh, on you know, Cassie's character because I really did enjoy her. It's like, Me too, you all these for most of the this phase, like introducing, you know, the new young Avengers, mm -hmm. I'm not upset with like how 
I loved how Riri was introduced. I like how Cassie has been introduced because like it feels natural. It doesn't feel like she was just, you know, forced in. And I like how we open up with like it like, okay, we do get a sense of who Cassie is and we get a sense of where Scott is like, you know, in his day to day life and like how things have been going with him since everything happened. But then there's like getting in it like I, I did. Okay. I'm going to address the graphics and like the special effects because this is one of the things that bothered me from crit like from like audiences. A lot of people hated the like special effects and graphics and like that was one of the complaints I saw before I went to see the movie. And I can honestly say I'm like I guess I don't know what y'all were expecting when the movie is like 90% of it takes place on a green screen. Also, it looks like a Guardians movie. Like, not saying it looked like a Guardians movie. It just reminded me, like, everything kind of reminds me of a Guardians movie. Like, so I guess I'm not, I'm, I'm not upset over here about the graphics as much as other people. I don't know what y'all were expecting when 90% of the movie takes place in the quantum realm. And it's like, literally, we are 15 minutes in and we are in the quantum realm. So I guess, I don't know. I... And I guess I would be more intrigued by somebody who is in the industry and does graphic effects and special effects. I know some people, there was like a recently someone who worked on um, Quantumania, they said that because Black Panther was the priority, and I'm using finger quotes, um, they blamed that on the reason why the quality of Quantumania was not up to par. And I'm just like, you are Disney and Marvel, you are Disney. You have money. Y'all print money. If the pro- if y'all are saying there's a priority, I don't know if that's like that's. I have a question about like y'all operations. How, like how much work are you giving to these artists and like these special effects people? Because I just feel like y'all had enough time. That I'm not saying the people who are working on the film. I'm saying Disney. Mm-hmm. Y'all been knew this movie was coming. Y'all had enough time. I don't understand what your budget looked like, but also I feel like y'all got the money to pay people to give it the quality it deserves. So I just, I just, I did not like that complaint because I feel like it's pushing the blame on, oh, well, you, Black Panther had to take priority. So that's why Ant-Man didn't look as good this time around. That sounds stupid. Don't y'all got different budgets for different movies? Girl. Okay. So you see the thing about the, the VFX to me, I, it bothered me in a bit because as you know, I'm photosensitive. So like there's moments where, you know, like the color is like super intense. And then it gets dark. So like for me, it's yeah. time for my eyes to adjust for some scenes. And then mm-hmm. some of the scenes, just, the background just seems super murky. And like, yeah, it's the quantum oh, it was like and a everything. focused background for sure. It was like, it's like on an iPhone or like, just like how I'm, how, how I am right now where my background yeah. is blurred. And then like, you would see Scott. Yeah. That's how I felt like some scenes were. It was just like, okay. Yeah. So for me, like I, for I, for me, I my complaint wasn't the amount of CJ because as you said, like of course it's going to be predominantly CJ. Most of the MCU films are like predominant, not most, all of right. them are predominantly um, um, VFX. And like a lot of people don't realize, but a lot of the regular like action films that we watch have a lot more VFX than we think. You know, mm-hmm. way more VFX than we think. So that wasn't my complaint. My complaint was just like the look of the VFX because sometimes it's and it was this, I had the same issue with avatar way of the way of water and mm. my issue with that was because like some of the scenes were because when they use a high frame rate to make it more realistic like that messed with my eyes so um mm. and then when it went back to regular the regular um i mask um cinema style 
my eyes took time to adjust. So like it was kind of the same issue for me with um Ant-Man and the Wasp. Right. And the other thing talking about the talking about blaming Black Panther. Now that's don't blame the production. You gotta blame Feige and the and those guys because they're the ones yeah. making the schedule way too packed and way too tight. They're releasing exactly. films way too closely. So the VFX artists and and a lot of these a lot of people think it's just like one group, but it's like companies spread around. Like a majority of them are in Vancouver, for instance. And like they have all of these films and shows to work on, like you know, and like they their schedules are so packed, they're overworked, they're underpaid, and they don't have enough time to put in as much detail as they want to. So don't, I would say, don't blame Black Panther. Don't be blaming Ryan Coogler and his team or whatever. Blame the people at the top who are making the decisions and making these schedules. You know, so yeah. that's my critique in that aspect. Like for me, the VFX, like. To me, I'm just like, you know what? The teams did the best they could with the with what they were given. And of course, also the directors are the ones who decide and the exec and the executive producers, you know, and the CEOs and all these guys, they're the ones when they see the dailies and when they get the set, the the um the the test, the test screenings and all these things, and they say, okay, you know what? Let's go back and change this. You know what? Like, can we do this? Can we add in this thing? That also takes time, you know, and that's that makes things that makes things a bit more difficult for the VFX artists and all that. So I, I think a lot of people aren't considering that. Because so when they're like blaming other, don't blame the project, blame the people who come up with the schedules. Exactly. But and also speaking because this is a quantum and speaking about the VFX. Another thing about the VFX is this environment. This show, this film actually reminded me a lot of the cartoon that recently came out called um, "Strange New World." <laughs> like the character, yes, and the creatures reminded me a lot of that. It literally, it, thank you, because I kept on looking at that like red blob. I'm like, you remind me of something, and mm-hmm. I can't think of it. And I just watched Strange New World. I I like that movie. I it, but it yes, it's literally that. And when you think about because of how the, end, the ending of that movie, it's it's almost tied together. Mm-hmm. But anyways, y'all can go watch that and figure out what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, okay. Now that we've gotten the graphic, fa- I, oh, and I guess the big one was that Modoc looked really bad like people thought that he the the effects on him look bad i'm like i guess at the end of the day he's a big head Mm -hmm. so i i mean could it have been done differently yes but i just feel like no matter what it was going to look either weird weird. i don't know how much more realistic y'all wanted to be it just to me it just looked like as if the face was a tv screen Mm -hmm. like that's how i kind of like looked at it at first Right? Like, it just seemed like his face was blown up on the TV screen. I didn't realize, like, oh, that's his head. Okay. His tiny little butt. His little baby legs. (laughs) But let's get into the characters. So, I feel like we'll get to the big... We can save Kang for last. Um, But, yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't really... I don't feel like I got anything too different from what I was expecting when it came to Scott's character, like um, Paul Rudd's character in this film, I do think. I mean, like it was good, but it's just like I love. I love the Ant Man movies because, like, he's probably one of the more cheerier Avengers and doesn't help and like has a very cheery disposition. Like, he's just a nerd. He's a he's a fanboy who got to become an Avenger, and I love that for him. But it's just like when we're talking about a character arc, I feel like the thing that was advertised to us that. It seemed like in the and you tell me if I'm wrong in the trailer, it seemed like Kang was offering Ant-Man time, time to go like to go back in time and to like 
be back with Cassie, so he didn't miss out on that time with her. But it didn't even seem like he even wanted that. So I don't know, and like, and I thought that was going to be part of his whole character arc. Granted, I understand that his whole thing was like he didn't want to miss out on any more time with her. He wanted to like be there with her more as a father. I guess like, what was what was Scott's arc for you in this movie? Because I feel like it didn't really find itself, and I guess maybe I'm going off of what I saw in the trailer. But then, like, in the film, it was something different, which is fine if they gave us a head fake. No, I'm the same way, because the thing with this film is we thought there was going to be, like, maybe some big battle between Kang and and Scott and the Wasp yeah. and stuff, too. And that's what I was expecting. I was expecting maybe a couple of antagonistic, intera- antagonistic interactions, you know, where we see them really exchange from verbal sparring because the, the thing with both of those characters is that they're really great speakers like yeah um, they are Scott Lang is like very funny and witty but he's also super smart and like he's able to like think really quick on his feet so I mm-hmm. was looking forward to scenes with him and Kang having like these really intense discussions about the timeline and like the the consequences of going back and, and forth and like even Scott maybe perhaps explain to Kang why he's not willing to have Kang change his past, you know, because like I was, I was looking forward to that because Jonathan Major, the one that we're going to, I was just saying, we're going to talk about Kang a bit more in depth, but the thing mm-hmm. about the way that Jonathan plays Kang is that he's very cerebral and the way he speaks is yes. very measured and very um precise. So having mm-hmm. a character who speaks like that opposite Scott, who's more witty and like, and like very thing, I was looking for more scenes and interactions with them. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't really get that. We didn't really get much interaction with Scott and Kang, which I was just like, huh? It, uh, that And that's the thing that I would, th- thank you, you nailed it on the head. Because I, I was like, I was looking forward to like, not a battle of the minds with them, but a battle of wits versus minds. Because we know Kang is a genius. Like he mm-hmm. is a descendant of Mr. Ch- Fantastic. So like, he is like literally in 8D when we are just getting to 4D. <laughs> that man is a genius. But it's like, we didn't get that. And it's almost like, because you've seen Loki, right? Yeah. Okay, so that Kang that we had in Loki, that energy that he had, I'm like, I think that is just speaks to like Jonathan Majors, like, um, like the full spectrum that he can play. And I love that. But in this film, we did, we were seeing a very different Kang. And like with him and Scott's interactions, it's just like, no. It switches very quickly. Like, Kang decides, like, well, I tried to be nice. I'm just going to threaten you now with your daughter's life. And I will, and you are going to do what I want, regardless. And I was like, okay, well, this this is very different from what we thought we were going to get. And I'm not upset at it. But, yeah, from there, and then the other story, like, I guess... Um, Hope Van Dyne and then like and Janet Van Dyne like basically the Van Dynes had a grand time in the quantum realm and I guess like I get that they were trying to get to the whole point of like how let me make sure I said it right yeah not Hope but Janet Janet didn't really tell her family anything and yes if she had just told her family what was going on in the quantum realm a lot of this could have been avoided. I mean, why wouldn't you tell them that this man is in the quantum realm and he is a huge threat? I just okay. So 
I agree with you because and um, but this is the thing like so the writer and the writer of this film is Jeff Loveness and the director Speed Marie. So the thing is, this isn't an issue that I have with just this film. This is a film an issue I have with films because this is a trope that frustrates me to no end. Where you have a character keeping pivotal information to themselves and just leaving vague hints that an issue that there's an issue vague hints that there's something dangerous coming our way you know they instead they think that by keeping quiet and keeping this secret or this potential danger to themselves they're protecting the people who are placed in harm i mm -hmm. think that is stupid it is because all you're doing life is and it's stupid in the film yes and it's just like and we can I'm not going to point out all the plot holes in this, but and I get it. It's for plot. I think it would have been better. If, and I'm and I'm going off of memory, but like it would have been better if Janet just simply said, I didn't want you to see me as a monster for what I did. Like or or what something some like because I could see why she would keep it a secret because like to find out that, oh, you almost helped this guy. But I'm like, but you know, your family, they're not going to like treat you like a social pariah because you helped someone who you thought was good and then later you found out he, he was bad i'm just like i'm confused it doesn't make sense it, like so yeah that part just kind of bothered me i i appreciate though that we did get some more time with janet and hank and like seeing their dynamic like basically a glimpse of their dynamic um i'm just gonna say it like, what do, should we talk about the ending before we get to Kang? Because I feel like Kang is going to be a big discussion. Yeah, actually, should we? Well, the ending kind of ties in a time because like, the ending is kind of very anticlimactic and super. It's it's, it's super defex machina level, but like I'm not mad at it because of how it got set up. But it's just like, you know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so like just long story short, so we'll get into the Kang discussion. Um, basically, because of the super ants that Hank was working on, they got sent to the quantum realm. They became geniuses. They're basically even smarter than Kang and have higher technology than him. And they're the reason that switches the tide of the fight to help to help ant-man beat him but i did like that the ants did not kill kang like they were not the thing that killed kang it was ant it was ultimately ant-man and wasp in the end that like ended him but now let's get into kang so in getting into kang where this is how and this is and this is going to tie in a bit to what we were saying just now about the dual ex machina and also janet keeping quiet and the reason Janet kept quiet is because of, as you said, she didn't want them to see her as a monster, but also I think her time in the quantum realm was, was traumatic, you yes. know, and yes. she's still trying to get adjusted to this time. For her, she was in a quantum realm, I think for like 30 years, but in real time, she was only gone for five because remember she disappeared right before the snap happened, right before. Well, no, she disappeared. It? She disappeared before, when Hope was a child. So she's been gone. She came back at the end of the second Ant-Man. You know what I'm thinking about, sir? I'm thinking about um, when um, I am thinking about the end of Ant-Man 2. When yes, got, yes. That's, sorry, that's what I'm confusing. But yeah, she was gone when Hope was a child. 
But the mm-hmm. type for her in the quantum realm is way more than that. So she was gone. Which, when you think about it, if anybody could relate to what Scott is feeling with Cassie, it would Janet. have been Janet. And we do not see much of an exchange between Janet and Scott. Mm-hmm. And, when and it comes and, to them talking about this. Exactly. Okay. And, the, and the other thing that frustrates me about that. So, yes, yeah, so she's keeping secrets and we've established that she was just wrong for that and just like it makes no sense she's an extremely smart oh woman she should know better especially considering the world they live in where inform- information literally means the difference between life and death yeah but also like she was clearly tra- traumatized yep. she was clearly afraid because every time they mentioned the quantum round she was i think michelle pfeiffer did her acting in this film is oh fantastic. it was amazing she is, like one her and jonathan are my two stand-up performances but mm-hmm. like whenever they would talk about the quantum realm, you can see that she's terrified. You can see that she's afraid. And instead of her family reading those cues, letting letting sleeping dogs lie, they decide to con- send a signal down to the quantum realm because they're like, oh, you didn't tell us we're going to investigate for myself. You just fought. You guys just survived five years of people of like chaos because People went interfering with things they had no business interfering with. Half, almost everything that happens in the entire MCU is because people went doing shit they had no right doing. Went interfering with things yeah. they didn't have no right doing. I, I, Iron Man 3, the whole Ultron thing was because Tony went interfering with things he had no right interfering with. So like, you would think these people would understand. Perhaps sending a signal down to the quantum realm of place, a universe, we have no idea about. Because even if Janet had told them, I think they would have still sent on the signal because they're like, oh, gosh, and we need to see what these words, this strange world she's talking I think about. Cassie would have still been like, so you know these people are down there suffering. We need to go down there and help. Right. Which that would have changed the scope of the film because maybe they would have been more prepared. But even then, how could you be prepared against Kang? So, yeah, I feel like however, however it goes, they're destined to go down there. They're, def- they're destined to go to the quantum realm. And I will say this, I agree with you, like, Jonathan Majors, the man, the man continues to thrive. And, mm-hmm. like, I love that he gets to play any range that he can. Because, and I mean, like, I'm, for, I, for one, am happy about him being Kang. Because I think, I think with him being Kang and, like, being the new big bad in Marvel and us now knowing about variants. So, like, everything that was set up in Loki and, like, when I say chef's kiss, I mean chef's kiss. That man was amazing in the last few minutes of that show. Mm-hmm. And he set up so much. I love that. But it's like we get that and then we get a completely different Kang. And it's just like we don't know what Kang we're getting next. Or Kangs. And it just feels like I like that we're going to get this opportunity to see him multiple times. Or like he's not gone. And that's something I really like about this ca- about this casting um the wood now we can if you want to talk about the blue face the blue face thing because i feel like my one thing is a lot of people because it's weird because in the comics there's some iterations where kang actually it like has blue skin i guess mm-hmm. and then there's others where it's like it's literally just a helmet yeah. and it's like i'm going off like i remember the cartoon and he never took the helmet off mm-hmm. so i think there's something the assumption i always had was like oh does he have blue skin and then there's the, like the more recent comics they have him with the mask. They'll show him with the mask off and he's a white man. So, and it's like, I guess I, I'm just glad he was not in the mask the entire movie. And that was the most important thing to me because I would have been upset. The, the thing about Kang being, I thought that they were going to make him blue 
kind of like how Thanos was purple and Gamora is green. But the yeah. thing is, it's, if I'm they had made him blue, it would have been also been an issue if they had cast a black man to then paint his skin blue because that's the same issue that we have with Gamora and also with Mantis and a whole bunch of other people of color actors playing alien characters whose skin is painted a different color. We don't get to see the actor's natural skin tone and like their ethnicity and all that. There's that. But then also my my this is perhaps a minor quibble and I know a lot of people might not see it this way but and we're going to get into as we said we're going to talk about how amazing Jonathan is as Kang because I think his, his performance is amazing but and that being said my issue with them casting a black man to play Kang is that he's a genocidist like Thanos he believes in wiping out entire civilizations, destroying entire planets to, to establish his own agenda, you know? Whereas for Thanos, he thought like he was like trying to bring balance to the universe by killing half mm-hmm. of the universe, which is garbage. Um, Kang kills people because he's seeing his, he sees it as his duty to fight the time. You know, well, fight the timeline. He sees time mm-hmm. as an adversary. He literally sees time as a villain because he's like, I can conquer time. I like, that's right. why he's a kind of conqueror. So the conquering part of him is like not only about conquering time and metaphysical and the metaphysics and all of that, but it's literally about conquering peoples. Because in the film, we see that he he basically committed genocide multiple times where he eradicated entire communities and civilizations within the quantum realm. Like the quantum realm is its own time, is its own universe. Mm-hmm. So there's planets and like hundreds of millions of people. And he killed like millions of people. Like in like the characters that we are, the new characters that we're introduced to are especially those that become allies with Cassie and, and Janet and Hope and Scott are the last of their people. You know, yeah. so like we see, usually we see like one of each as you would say, race. Yeah, like the refugee. The There's one camp. region. That's because Kang has destroyed their entire civilization. So I'm like, you're going to put this black man as a genocidist, as an imperialist, as a co- co- colonialist. I'm like, the context of that to me doesn't work for me. It kind of I guess, like, Okay, so I guess I disagree because like he's a villain. If we like take away, take away the casting, he's a villain. So it was going to be that way regardless. But it's just like, because and it's weird because we know that there's different kings. Like there's kings who are for peace, and then there's kings who believe that the only way to and like at the end of the day, they're all trying to like like you said, they're fighting time. They're fighting for control of the timeline. And like the the king, the he who remains, the king we met in Loki, th- described it best, where he's just like, one day I discovered how to get to a different dimension, and when I discovered it. All of my other selves discovered it too. And then it's just like before you like you start to learn from one another and then if, and you grow with one another and then eventually somebody wants to control everything. So it's like, it's it's interesting because I'm like, we, we're going to, I don't think every Kang's going to have that viewpoint. There's definitely, from the end of the movie, we definitely see that like there are a number of Kangs mm-hmm. who have, who share these thoughts. And like with the same, like with this other one, but it's just like, I, the thing that I feel like we did not get with the, with Kang in this movie was that I would have appreciated a backstory on him. Yes. 
to understand because like i'm assuming the one like and i'm going off of my very little knowledge of kang but like in the cartoon like avengers assemble they did a whole arc with kang and his whole thing was that he had lost the love of his life and that mm-hmm. is what turned him into a villain and that's what turned him because he was seeking i think a way to save her or seeking for a timeline to get back to her and like the other kings like were fit i'm like he was they were fearful of him so like you have to be one scary to be to make all the other kings scared of you so like i would have liked to see more of his background and I think that would have helped flush out his... That's not going to justify what he's doing. He's obviously... He's not well. And I don't mean that as an excuse. I mean, like, no. he's He truly believes that his way is the only way. And, like, I agree. It is... But it's like, this is, the, this is how this character's always been. And mm-hmm. it's like, yes, similar to Thanos, Kang wants control and, and balance in the multiverse. Whereas I think regardless of you cast a white man or a black man, you still should write him to be the same way. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I don't have a problem with him being a villain. It's just like, I, that was, as I said, it's a basically a minor quibble. It was just something that occurred mm-hmm. to me as I was watching the film. And then I kind of also thought about how the most recent villains for the MCU are two men of color, but again, a minor quibble. So it's not that big a right. deal, but in the, I completely agree with you. I wanted more of a backstory on him. And this is not because we're going to dedicate the whole f- right about this, but there are scenes i think that could have been cut to make way for this um like mm-hmm. first the introduction of this character played by um bill what's his face bill murray bill murray who i was just like he was completely unnecessary it just seemed like that was not needed because that scene dragged that it could have been shorter i think it should it i think it should have been shorter because it didn't need to happen at all because any of the characters that um like it, it was i'm like when you think when you, you realize scene, what oh, happened because oh, sorry, like eventually kang would have found them anyway you know i'm like kang it, that scene could have been kang sending his people to find them like we didn't need this person talking about kang and like betraying them and taking them to kang because first of all but, i don't believe that janet would have a relationship with him when kang is right there sorry that that know. honestly was the, the most shocking thing i'm like i guess depending on when she found out that he was a monster no <laughs> never mind no 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 and i but guess before, you know the process before, all that time before, for sure before i could see something happening there but mm-hmm. anywho i would also say like it feels so convenient how like that whole scene i was just like hope and janet and hank are smart enough to recognize that this is a setup mm-hmm like clearly this man is in the league with Kane. How else does he have wealth and look completely different from when you first saw him? It should have been the moment he stepped off that you know something something was wrong. You could have instead had Billberry dressed down looking like he was still a, rebe- a rebel and then have the reveal. Mm-hmm. But that whole scene just like you're right, like that dragged for me because I'm like, why why are y'all still talking to him? Clearly he's in league with Kane. Why are you surprised? Yeah. So, like, if, if they took out those scenes, like, we could have had scenes that you're talking about that would show us who Kang was. Because Janet mm-hmm. and Kang, like, they their whole relationship is kind of what started all of this, you know? Yeah. Because, like, she helped him make his, get his um, ship to work, you know? And the reason she got him, she helped him get his ship to work is because they were both stranded. And there were these two lonely souls 
who were stranded on this strange planet with no one else that they communicate with and no one else that can understand the predicament they're in. And they've had a friendship. They had a genuine friendship. Yep. And they, they, they trusted one another. Exactly. And like, we got to see, and it's not about humanizing this villain, but I think mm-hmm. like for me, it's about showing, as you said, like showing his backstory. And it's not about, as I said, not about humanizing, but it just like to, for a character that the MCU has built up so much time making us anticipate who this character is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're not going to give us much more than this. Like, even if they do another, the, the next set of projects, perhaps, but I don't see that because he's gone now. This Kang is gone. The, yeah, right. that so Kang is gone. And we're not going to get to learn more about him. We're going to have to spend time learning about all the other Kangs. And this was a really good opportunity to, I think, also take advantage of the chemistry that Jonathan and Misha had. Like their chemistry on screen is fantastic. It was so good. Like it was just like it's very compelling. Like you believe that they are a team. You believe mm-hmm. that they're working together and that they really did form something. whether it was romantic or not they formed a bond and it just yeah it it feels like a wasted opportunity to give us a reveal into like Kang more and I don't want it to be this is the thing that I like to help us like wrap things up I guess my one concern with Kang going forward is I don't want him to be treated only as a device in the story I would like him to be treated as a as truly as a full fully fleshed character like tell us more about him like why is he doing this? We know a little bit from the setup in Loki, but I think we're not, I think we're missing the why. And we got that with Thanos. We we at least got some of that with Thanos. We didn't get his whole childhood background. And I do agree, like, I'm not trying to say we should humanize villains, but when you think about it, villains are humans. So I do think we should get some peek into who they were before they became the villain. And not to excuse their actions, but to help us understand their motivations. Uh, exactly. And like I say sometimes we don't need to, sometimes we don't even need a backstory in a villain because I need some people are just like straight up evil and you don't need an explanation for why. But I think the interesting thing, like for instance, I didn't care about Thanos' bastard. I'm like, guy, you are here trying to kill half the universe. I don't care about Well, you. he was terrifying right off the <laughs> Exactly. I'm just like, you need to be gone like quick. Like, the Avengers, mm-hmm. they need to take waste time debate him here. I'm like, end this man quick because he be crazy but the compelling thing about kang the difference is like this would have been the first time in the mc where we see the villains have a friendship with the heroes if you think about it we don't yeah. apart from maybe loki we and yep. like his relationship with thor and the other characters we don't really get to see uh how the in the mcu how like the cat the main characters move from a place of friendship to animosity mm-hmm. You know, we didn't we didn't get to really see how Janet went from being extremely close with Kang to being terrified of him. And as you mm-hmm. said at the beginning, and terrified of her family finding out not only that she helped this man do this horrible thing, but that she was friends right. with him. So like we missed they missed an opportunity. And so I mentioned Thor and Loki, but then also it would have been um also Steve and Bucky. That's the only those are the only really two times that we got to see like a really in-depth look at the, those kind of dynamics where you go from friendship to enemies and like especially for an enemy as big as Kang who has such a big impact on the entire mm-hmm. MCU because his what happened what he did in Loki and what he did in this film is going to affect all the rest of the MCU you know because all of the other Kangs are going to come because of what he did so I'm like they could have taken like a good 10 more and, and the film is a really long film 
And as we said, they could have taken out all of these scenes, like especially like the character, mm-hmm. the red blob thing, like the scenes with him like talking about, oh, a hole. I think like that could have gotten taken out. We didn't need to the whole, what is a whole, we didn't need that whole shtick. Take that scene out and devote that time to Kang and Misha, um, to Kang and, and Janet. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think that would have just been, it would have been better. That would have made it better for me. It would have fleshed him out because like Kang even says like, you have no idea what was taken from me. And it's like, yes, because we know that we know that Kang is not just, you know, this homicidal maniac that wants to kill half the universe. No, he wants to control it for a reason. What is his reason? That is. And I don't know if it's I don't know if it was deliberate to leave that out because of mystery. Um, but I think it was I feel like it was a deliberate choice to leave it out. And I, and I want to know, is like, it's because y'all want to build up to that more. But then at the same time, I feel like that was an opportunity to like really flesh out his character more too. Uh, yeah. So like, all in all, I still enjoy the film. It's not like a horrible film. Like I think, as I said, I enjoyed the cast. I think um, Michelle and Jonathan mm-hmm. to me are my standouts, but also Parad is again, he's one of the most perfect castings in the entire MCU. Like he, oh, is, he is Scott Lang. Like I love his wittiness. I love the energy that he brings to it. He does bring a lot of lightness to a, a, a franchise that is pretty emotionally and narratively heavy. And I think Catherine Newton, she's, uh, I think she's also a really good fresh face in the MC, mm-hmm. in the MCU. Like, we, as you said, you mentioned Miss um, Marvel and some of the young characters that were involved in that series. But also, I think for the films themselves, I think Catherine Newton is going to be a really good interjection of energy into yeah. the into into the franchise and i think she did really well with what she was given so mm-hmm. i can't wait to see how they expand the character of cassie and like how what catherine is able to bring to the character and with regards to other actors like you know who i think also was very unusualized william Har- jackson harper's character oh from the good place yes because he played yeah. a, i want to see him more it felt it more was, like a cameo I want a way for them to bring him back, maybe in Loki, because Loki is involved in time traveling. So yes, like- yes. Honestly, now that you say that, because even though we didn't get the confirmation that the TVA is in the quantum realm, we do at least know that, like, from all of this, we know that it is in the quantum realm because at the end of it, you see Kang's statue. So I mm-hmm. feel like Loki season two has a great opportunity to really examine displacement of the people that Kang um caused and like also explore more of like the like the life in the quantum realm um from that like on a smaller scale see how we see what I did there y'all I'm proud of myself for that one anyways um I feel like that's gonna I feel like that'll be a great opportunity to explore that more in Loki and and I and honestly some of it did feel like a setup for net for for that show i was thinking i'm like oh these are interesting characters are these people we could like potentially see you know either like if ant-man wants to explore the op the, like if ant-man wanted to go the route of like okay do people in the quantum realm have the same rights as people up there mm-hmm. um what does it look like if you have like now these people who are down there and then like do you allow like y'all are freely coming to them like do y'all think you create some checks and balances like it's it's i think it opens a lot of discussion and opportunity to expand on 
I agree. So um, we'll see what else is in store for the MCU. So the only upcoming film of the MCU is um, Captain Marvel 2. So that one has been pushed back, I think, to November this year. So is it this year? Yeah, November this year for release. Dang. So, I mean, I, but I think we should be getting Loki season two this year. So that might be it. Loki's the only returning TV show. At least yeah. not, not. Oh, and we're supposed to get a Captain America movie, but I don't think that's till 2024. So you're right. That might be it. I think that's it. So, yeah. So, everyone, that is our episode of So Here's What Happened for January and February. Um, as usual, you can find links to our coverage. Like, um, so for the interviews that I did for the confessions of Franny Langston, the interview that I did with Sarah and Carla Meech Simone, I'm going to link in the description box for this, as well as my piece on Bridgerton, because it was actually that piece that got me the interview because the publicist spread, saw my article on Bridgerton and reached out to me to, to, do, to do coverage for the show. That's and um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Care- and on TikTok too. I now have a, a TikTok where I just post like mini vlogs. So here's what happened. Mini vlogs of films that I screen here in Toronto. So find those on my hashtag using my handle at CarrieCNH12 using a hashtag SHWH. Go to my R3 page. That's A-U-T-H-O-R-Y.com slash Carolyn Heights to find links to all my published work, podcasts, YouTube channels, including So Here's What Happened. And you can find link you can find so here's what happened also on butwido.net and on acas and other podcast streaming platforms i'm not going to go into launch spiel what's it what tell the people where they can find you and your work nisha yes y'all can find me on instagram tiktok and twitter at nisha plays that's at n-e-y-s-h-a-p-l-a-y-s um i'll be putting more content out there once i move into my new place and i get my space together so new cosplays will be coming I'm also working on more features for But Why Though? And I'm just trying to survive grad school, y'all. But I did want to mention that Kate and I have brought back Did You Have To? So I'm really excited about that. We put out an episode two weeks ago, so y'all can go ahead and check that out. And we have some more stuff coming up soon. So yay, more anime things. Yay! And Nisha is going to be soon finished with school, y'all. She's in her last semester. I'm so proud of Nisha. It's the fact we've been on this. We've, well, I mean, we've done this podcast longer than I've been in grad school. But it's just been like, <laughs> it's been 83 years. <laughs> it's true because our very first episode of so Here's What Happened was a discussion of Avengers Endgame. So yes. I think it's almost kind of fitting that you're going to finish school. As we're talking about the MCU, like we've come so far. I'm proud of us. I can't say that enough, but I'm so proud of us. Like we've done amazing. We have done amazing. I'm proud of us too. And on to bigger and better things. That's all I can say, especially for this year. So as we said at the beginning of the show, we are manifesting. Amen. Amen. Good thoughts, positive thoughts. And with that, everyone, until the next episode of Series What Happened, stay safe. Bye. Bye.